Minus three is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Curacao has not allowed a home run at the World Series. Three with Dave Damashek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Muzzle tough to you, Lewis Lappy, and all you front running people who enjoyed watching that. My heart goes out to the poor kid from Curacao. What's it like at school for him today? You think he's getting backslapped? No, he's getting scorned and fingers pointed at him, and he's being called a goat and so on and so forth. I'm glad it's over with football seasons here. Hi and hello, and welcome to Minus Three, presented as ever. Bye, Omaha. Eddie Spaghetti there behind the glass in his usual spot. Kevin Hench seated in his uh, manse, looking out over show business. He's ready to get back out on the picket line. But he's taking a few precious minutes here to kibitz about the world of sport with us. He's one of them front runners, one of them fancy pants, good athletes who probably would have succeeded had a camera been pointed at him when he was 10 in a little league game. A high leverage spot. Damashek would have made an air. Ergo, that's why I feel bad for the poor kid who gave up the home run ball. Think about him while you're enjoying El Segundo in their and their glory in Little League World Series. USC is in the winner's circle. Notre Dame is too. College football is underway. Pro football's just about here. In fact, we're going to break down the AFC North for you in a matter of minutes. Some college football to get through as well. Let's say hello first, though, to Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? Well, it's funny. You feel bad for the kid that gave up the home run. I feel bad for Lewis Lappy because life is straight downhill from Mm. here on out. Like there is no way uh, spaghetti. What's what's the Foo Fighters lyric? You know, could everything ever be this this uh, Uh, this real forever, forever? ever long? Could 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 anything ever be this good again? It's nope. like Barbara Hershey. It's like Barbara Hershey and Hoosiers too, talking about how it's uh, how it's pathetic that the best thing that ever happened to you was when you were 17 years old. Yeah. Okay. By far, by far. Yeah. It's there's a second, and I was actually thinking about this because I'm on this kid. You know, Bill Mazeroski, Joe Carter, Lewis Lappy. He should actually reach out to Joe Carter and go like, "How do you handle it? What do you do with the rest of your life?" But uh, so I was thinking, <laughs> what. You know, that would be a great, that'd be a conversation. I'd, I I would love this. in. I think it's more like Bernie Carbo with the kid, right? Well, I mean, Carbo doesn't, obviously doesn't win it after. I guess Mazeroski is the perfect comp. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like, you know, Joe Carter says like, oh yeah, I, I start every day. I watch it. That'd be funny. Like this is how you should start every day, kid. Watch it over and over again. Um, But it got me thinking like, what's the greatest moment of my life like what what Mm. would i put now spaghetti is so funny you've got these these big milestone moments ahead of you but like the cliche one is the birth of your children you know and it's shex obviously had so many runs at this feeling like i'm a nervous wreck like i did not enjoy enjoy the birth of my children this this terrifying a moment another person to take care of it's not fun it's not like it's not like hitting a walk-off home run and then 
spaghetti are, you know, your when's your wedding date? We don't have a date yet, but my guess is going to be probably springtime 2025 ish. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, we're you, got, you got lots of time to reconsider. Okay. Yeah, it's a bit. It's funny. It's it's sort of like when that baby really arrives and they like wrap it up and you're in that room with the baby and the mama. It really is the same vibe as like the door slamming shut in the bar and them saying that now you just can't leave. That's the feeling you get like, uh oh, wait a minute. I thought I was getting over here. Wait a second. Now grim reality slapping me in the face in the no, form of eight like, ounces. I know and we can't talk about it. Nobody can talk about it. But like. Every dude at the altar is just thinking the exact same thing. Not Sheck, who was probably already thinking about his exit plan. But, you know, most of us are thinking, golly, can I can I do this monogamy thing in perpetuity? Uh, you know, and that's what poor Jada doesn't know. That's what Spaghetti's going to be thinking about. But it's like every other dude is like, gosh, OK, I guess I could do this for a week forever. What? So. Yeah, your wedding is complicated for dudes. I, you know, then you Heaven get forbid if that's the highlight of your life. I don't even know what to say about. But it. I but think okay. maybe there there are ladies that might say so. But uh, then you get to the pathetic thing of like the Red Sox winning this World Series. That was pretty good, man. I was uh, I was feeling no pain that night. What are you? What would you guys put as uh, Shaq? Where would you rank the birth of each of your children? against all your fantasy football championships well i yeah the you know there are four kids that i'm aware of and you know i would say they're they're all comfortably in the top 10 um lemieux's goal with 10 seconds to go in game one of 92 against the hawks that's number one obviously but then i think like then I, I i i i would say i think two three and four are like three of my kids births then um, it was really exciting when the Steelers, when Troy Palomalu picked six Flacco in that title game. Then the fourth kid. Then uh, I'm, I don't know. I, I, it's getting cloudy for me, but that's that's <laughs> off the top of my head what I have for you. Oh, man. Yeah. See, Spaghetti thinks these moments are going to be incredible. He thinks. Oh, when I went when I won my my impossible when I won my third straight Connect Four title. That's when I was just so gassed. I was like, I got nothing left to get. I was like, I was very much like Ali at the end of his third fight with Frazier. I was just so. Gonna, I was like, I got nothing left. It, it's it's it. I don't want anymore. When you are know? they going to make a last dance about that whole year before you won that third straight title? That was just that was incredible. How not you, soon enough is the answer. Not soon enough. Deep. Spaghetti, what's your what's your greatest life moment? So yours is the Red Sox winning the World Series, not beating the Yankees in Game Seven, not the bloody sock, the sweep I mean, of no, the listen, cards. That was Yan it. When we beat the Yankees, I was still a nervous wreck. It was okay. that was like becoming a parent. You're like, okay, now now what? Now you know now is it all downhill when we get swept by the Cardinals? Um, but you know the comebacker to folk, it's over. We won. Vinatieri's field goal against the Rams, obviously right up there. And I think if I had been, if I'd known enough about hockey when I was a little kid watching the U.S., uh, you know, not knowing the final, watching sure. the U.S. beat the Russians, I just think I was like, I don't know, I guess either team could win a hockey game. I don't think I fully understood until I got older. Yeah, that's, there's something miraculous about that. Um, and so, yeah, that's great. But then when your team is supposed to win and they're favored and they do in that sense of relief, 
that combined is the feeling that I had when I kissed a girl for the first time when I was 22. Um, it was like, I was like, you know, miraculous. And also what a relief. That's a load off. You know, finally I did that, you know, cause so many other people had done it before I did. So, um, spaghetti, your greatest moment. I mean, I'm trying to even think. I mean, obviously, it's funny how I'm as like me, per, like sports stuff does come to my mind. But I mean, I guess getting engaged or graduating Boston oh, University, stuff on. like that is, is nice. Yeah, that was it. Getting engaged have... or graduation. Those are one and two in spaghetti. This is, so, no, but like, this is the point. This, this, is like, is okay. what, this is what's so sad about Lewis Lappy is you hit a walk off home run to win the Little League World <laughs> Series. It's not like they're going to be other contenders for greatest moment, like second place is going to be graduating from college. Like it's so, it's so sad. And by the way, you know, uh, Aldous Huxley spoke about that. I think you were kind of referring to becoming a man there, Shaq, even though you called it kissing, but you know, Huxley wrote the lovers try to fuse their insulated ecstasies into a single self transcendence yet in vain, because like, you think this is going to solve all my problems if I can just get with this girl and then you get with her and it's Portnoy's complaint. You're like, what was that all about? It certainly wasn't as good as hitting a walk-off home run to win the Little League World Series. Like all of Lewis Lappy's life is just, it's going to pale in comparison mm. to that Lappy dance. You're so right. He, yeah. He's doing around the bases. It's why uh, Chaz Sheen, like it's the whole thing, like why he's, with the 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 women of questionable repute, you know, like because conventional things just didn't thrill me anymore. I had to oh, yeah. I had to see how far I could take things to try and and feel alive. To, yeah, to Eddie, uh, Eddie I, Murphy's uh, Good Samaritan moves out on Santa Monica Boulevard. Just look exactly at, right. Look at keep it interesting. Grant. Now, Spiati, let me ask you: Did your parents go to college? Uh, my dad played football at Wagner. I, I think my mom got a job at high school in the city. Yeah. Okay. Because there is like graduating from college, certainly first generation is an amazing achievement. My dad has a PhD and my mom has a master's. So like, you know, the fact that I barely graduated from college, not a huge victory lap for the family. Not not a lot of cheering at the graduation. Oh my God! The, yeah, I mean, school, way, school schooling was was more of a, a cause for ongoing rifts with my parents. Like, why am I getting a call from teacher blah about this? You know. Well, well, when you think about college, like how great an achievement can anything be if you can do it drunk? Exactly. Yeah, you're literally you're just hammered for four years, and then they they hand you a sheepskin, um, and and maybe maybe if you're lucky, you 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 mixed in a couple lambskins. I yeah, it was that like the ongoing like the conflict and and my inability to offer respect to my teachers. That was something that was was touched on over the years between teachers and my parents that Dave has some issues with, uh, with respect. Your um, college professors were calling your parents. No, 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 no. This was, oh, this okay. was, this was more one through 12. I will okay. say in Hebrew school, when I finished Hebrew school on the last day, I was voted by my peers, the all time, most valuable Jew. And that, along with those connect four titles is wow. my, is is my greatest title move over move over sandy koufax there's a new exactly. lefty. there's a new lefty in the synagogue all right wow. but let, 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 
I want to talk about all of it, but we have college football to talk about and pro football is nigh too. And so let's get into the goat and goat here, shall we? Of the week, as you may have noticed, the word goat has a lot of range when it comes to sports. If you're the goat, you're either the greatest of all time or you're responsible for your team's loss. So let's get into it here. And I'm going to say right out of the gate, pro football is the goat because doesn't it feel like we should be kicking it off on Sunday. What are we doing? We still got two more weeks to go until this thing having all the celebrations. We did it. We made it through summer and everything else. And now we still have like two weeks to go. Chop, chop, pro football. College football's underway. Where are you at? I don't know who messed the schedule up, but there's still time to fix it. Let's just move it all up by one week to this Sunday. No, no problem. No, uh, no use. Uh, no milk spilled just yet. So let's fix that. In the meantime, college football, like I say, is underway. And, you know, we're talking about best moments of our lives. Here's here, Let me just tell you the best college football teams right now in 2023 one notre dame they should be number one usc should be number two and then that's it navy's the last navy's the last ranked team and then everybody else tbd when you didn't go to class enough when the professor decided like okay he missed not one test dave missed three tests over the course of the semester he gets no grade because he didn't he didn't show up enough. That's true for Oklahoma and for Ohio State and for Clemson and for Michigan and everybody who hasn't played a game yet. What are we doing with these preseason rankings? Don't you see it makes no sense for Notre Dame to destroy Navy and they're still ranked behind Georgia? Where's the logic in that, everybody? Don't you see the pitfalls of approaching things this way and the way we have approached it for the entire course of my lifetime that you decide like, yeah, but we know that that team is better. And so there we're going to slot him ahead, even though they haven't done anything yet. Let's cut this crap out. Notre Dame is one. USC is two. And we'll go from there. Ohio State, as it happens, is giving 30 to the Indiana Hoosiers this Saturday. So I suspect that they will cover that and then they can claim their spot near or at the top of the college football rankings. Preseason rankings continue to be a scourge. They suck. They get the goat of the week. Okay. So you're going good goat, pro football, bad goat, college football rankings. Well, both really. If pro football moves the kickoff of week one up to this coming Sunday, then they are the goat. But as it is now, they're the goat along with college football right now. All right. Well, my my good goat is the aforementioned Lewis Lappy. I mean, first of all, it's weird when you expect someone to hit a home run. It's still kind of impressive, but it was like it's, it was kind of like uh, if this, you know when this guy comes up, there's a good chance he's going to hit a home run, and he does. And what's what's incredible about a walk off home run to win the World Series is how it took his skipper off the hook. That guy, uh, I want to say Danny Boley is his name, but he was pulling a Kevin Cash, Blake Snell. Like he was, he was blowing it. He, they're, they're up 5 1. He, he, he has the quick hook with the starter at 5 1. Then he does, which I think is, nor- is a good move normally you, when you're going to close out a Little League World Series, because what's wild about the Little League World Series is it exists on both sides of the puberty meridian right so you've mm. got a, a prepubescent starter but now now you go to the six foot 170 pound kid 
who's on the other side of the puberty divide. Only that kid is a mess. He can't throw a strike. And then he's he's melting down like Shaq would, uh, like a pre or post pubescent Shaq would. He's he he's so con- convinced he's just going to walk in the, the 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 winning run. He he grabs his tricep and is like, I got to get out of here. And so then Skipper comes flying back out and you're like, well, that's OK, because you have another post pubescent closer that you can go to. But he doesn't. He goes to the five, three hundred and nine pound kid who can't keep his hat on his head. And that guy gets launched for the for the game tying home run. So between the skipper and the six foot hundred and seventy pound goat, bad goat and the little goat like Lewis Lappy takes them all off the hook with a no doubt bomb. So so obviously he's he's the good goat in perpetuity, in perpetuity. El segundo es el primero. Eos, eos ganar en el campeonato del mundo. Incredible job. Um, he'll never pay for a lappy dance in Southern California. Uh-huh. Although the rest of his the rest of his life's downhill. But um, the my bad goat, and I really like. I, I I know it's it's a little bit. You know, we do this. You and we get together once a week. But like, I'm really thinking about the Kyle Shanahan career now because greatness is measured in championships. Like, you know, you're, you're putting together a very impressive record of getting to conference title games and, and, and getting to the Super Bowl. But now in the wake of the Trey Lance fiasco, we really have to start measuring Kyle Shanahan as this weird bad goat of a guy who can get really close, but in the huge moments makes critical mistakes that keeps teams from winning championships. Now, obviously, up 28-3 with the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl, offensive coordinator, and I didn't really realize how much Matt Ryan lit him up in in an interview um, about how slow his play calling was at the end of that. So all you have to do is run into the line three times and kick a field goal and you win the Super Bowl. Not only is Kyle Shanahan being insanely aggressive, but the play calls are coming in so late that Matt Ryan doesn't feel like he can dump out of the play call that comes in. Although, how long does it take to say, hey, Devontae Freeman, I'm going to hand it to you and you dive into the line. So anyway, but so that's that's the first incredibly bad blemish on Kyle Shanahan's record. Now. When you look at how close the Niners have been going to the Super Bowl, up 10 points in the fourth quarter, not being able to close out that Super Bowl, then consecutive trips to the to the NFC title game. Do you think they might have reached the Super Bowl either of the last two years with Micah Parsons, the guy who went at 12? So this this trade of three first round picks, including the pick that became Micah Parsons to get nothing. Is is another entry in the wow, Kyle Shanahan may never get one, and it's because of Kyle Shanahan. It's it's a great point. And you know, he gets off the hook as does John Lynch, because the the lady justice, lady pigskin justice holds up the scales and it balances out with Brock Purdy, but also I say. I said that because the the hyperbole of like this is the biggest bust pick in the history of the NFL, 
And of course, Jamarcus Russell, you have to throw that name in there. But I would say Tony Mandarich because while we don't know exactly what's going to, as you say, though, there's some pretty good names on the board of guys that the Niners could have taken. And it starts with Micah Parsons, but that's not the end of it, obviously. Uh, some real good names. But Tony Mandarich go to, with the Packers goes after Troy Aikman, but right before. So the Packers could have taken Barry Sanders, um, Derek Thomas, or um, Deion Sanders. They could have had any of those guys, but instead they wind up with Deion Sanders. And people remember that one. And people say, see, you're right. That is way. Tony Mandridge. You said they ended up with Deion Sanders. They end oh, up I'm sorry. Tony I'm sorry. Tony so Mandridge goes what's second. What's crazy overall. about the Mandridge thing is, first of all, it happened way before Spietti was born. But secondly, going offensive tackle is the conservative thing, right? You're so much less yeah, right. likely to have a whiff when you're looking at the guy's physical tools as opposed to quarterback. As we've learned, it's like, gosh, you know, anybody can flame out. But to the Brock Purdy of it all, and this is what's really nuts. So Brock Purdy has this incredible run, uh, you know, after Garoppolo gets hurt, finishes the season with 13 TDs and four interceptions. Sam Darnold has never had a stretch like that in his career. Sam Darnold has thrown 1,750 passes in the NFL. He has under a 60% completion rate and an almost one-to-one touchdown to interception rate. You don't have to go, wow, what's Sam Darnold going to give us? You know what Sam Darnold's going to give you. Virtually nothing. So the idea that Sam Darnold, in the event that we have to go to a backup quarterback again, gives us a better chance of winning than Trey Lance, it's like it's an admission that, frankly, I couldn't make. If you're only talking about QB2 anyway, just keep Lance and 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 hope that 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 Purdy's arm doesn't blow up. But like this idea that that you're gonna you're gonna win it all with Sam Darnold seems nuts. So you could at least have kicked the embarrassment down the road a little bit by hanging on to the guy that you mortgage the future for. Okay, I get all that. But the point of bringing up Mandarich, first of all is that my larger point is that in football and in pretty much any sport, don't overvalue draft picks. We are consumed by them. Um, the people whose jobs revolve around making those selections are obsessed by draft picks. Bill Belichick is probably at the top of that mountain. But that constant like and then, you know, fans are cynical about in some sports like baseball, like trading away an asset currently to get draft picks for three or five years from now creates cynicism because you really have to be a patient fan to say like, yeah, we got a prospect who may arrive in about four years in exchange for this stud right now. That doesn't happen as much in football. But I do say overvaluing of draft picks is proven by the fact that the 49ers right now, just like the Packers, way back when they took Tony Mandridge, it doesn't cripple the franchise if you make a bad draft pick. The draft picks, we obsess about getting those. Get the known entity is 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 the bottom line to me. And as far as that goes, you know who else screwed up a draft? The Jets when they took Sam Darnold as a third overall draft pick five years ago, not three years ago like Trey Lance. But now he's the backup. Trey Lance is gone. 
And it's fine because the Niners are good. Sal made an interesting or asked an interesting question last week. And in a way, like Joe Gibbs, you can make some case is the most capable head coach of the Super Bowl era because he won with three different QBs, none of whom is a Hall of Famer and Doug Williams, Mark Rippon, and Joe Theismann. And so on that level, isn't Kyle Shanahan underrated? Because he almost did it with Jimmy G and then almost got back to the Super Bowl with Jimmy G. And it kind of doesn't feel like it matters when everybody else requires a stud to be relevant. Um, that your your thoughts well, on that? I do on, think uh, it is my weird that you could, you know, to the Joe Gibbs of it all, that you could have a quarterback who led you to a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl and go, that's not the guy to get us to the promised land. <laughs> like, right. I, it, it's, it's so – um, and then, I mean, but the thing is what everybody said about Trey Lance was like, where's where's the track record to not – you can never guarantee it, but to at least help ensure that this exact thing won't happen. Now, I know there's a catastrophic injury in there, and I and I do feel – feel bad for the guy in terms of the development that might've happened. But um, no, I don't, I don't think Kyle Shanahan is underrated. I think, I still think he's properly rated as a, as a guy who moves the chain. Okay. Here's a fun. What if, you know, I love what if let's play it then let's go back, not in the way back machine, the two year ago machine, the 49ers with the third overall pick choose Micah Parsons. Are they, do they have one more Lombardi in Are their building two, now? Two-time two defending champions. Do you how think that that's you the case? Stop, how would you I, stop I, that two-headed? I don't monster? know. So that's the if case. Bosa they would have won the Super and Bowl. Parsons. If Bosa and Parsons were lining up, I mean, the irony is they could have done nothing, and Parsons was available at twelve. That that's that was their pick. But even if after right. you trade up, you could have Parsons or Jamar Chase. Right, right, right. So but let's say that, they but, sit there, right? But there. if you sit there and you get Parsons, they definitely. They definitely win with those those two, um, you know, those two one and one a defensive player of the year that, you know, the, that. Yeah. What would you do now? You would we're go- one day going to get we're one day going to get the 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 definitive answer from Lynch and and Shanny about who wanted Mac Jones and who wanted Lance. Let's say they do trade up because there is some evidence that those can even after they made the trade, that there was still some discussion about who they should take with that third pick. If they take Mac Jones, where are the Niners right now? Did they win a Super Bowl? No, I mean, I Mac Jones has also not played as well as Brock Purdy did in down that stretch run. So unless I mean, basically they went as far as they were going to go with because Brock Purdy was was had forced into the emergency starts um but yeah mac jones wouldn't wouldn't have been the answer either i think you know they should have wherever they took that pick they should have spent it somewhere else uh and they'd be in better shape obviously they got nothing out of the number three pick although those that package of picks they shipped out um you know they could have had sewell they'd be in much better shape if they would have done that right Parsons obviously stands out, but the the other picks because of Waddle their success, Chase off the they, top of my head, the other picks because of their success were were pretty far down, uh, and and one of them was used. Speaking of whiffs, to to draft Cole Strange 
200 spots before he was projected to go. So, you know, uh, even the great Belichick whiffs a lot in the draft. I'll tell you who didn't whiff going into the Wayback Machine. What if I told you Lynn Swan, Jack Lambert, John Stallworth, and Mike Webster were all drafted in the same draft? You, you, uh, you know, know what? But you know what? We're not done. We're also going to sign a free agent named Donnie Shell. How Schell. about that? Five, five Hall of Famers, one draft class. Um, so maybe whiffing doesn't cripple the franchise, but hitting a home run on every pick in a draft can create a dynasty. Okay. Saying, well, see, that's, I guess that's like uh, a glass half full. That's going to be a perfect segue into our, uh, into our division, into our division conversation. We're going to do that. Yes. And uh, Spaghetti can blow through his goat and goat, but let me squeeze in a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward. Rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gambling helpline ma.org michigan call 1-800-270-7117 illinois maryland new jersey tennessee virginia west virginia ohio pennsylvania affiliated with harris philadelphia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or west virginia 1-800-GAMBLER.net new york call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. 
Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. To further my celebration of college football, flawed as it may be, I just want to I, I want to um, provide the listener with these as we move into week one. Week zero, by the way, I wanted to say this, isn't it? I, I get that there are rules about how many times you can be on national TV still in 2023 as a college football team and conference affiliation and everything else. But isn't it a weird, weird when everything is about what the networks want? that college football couldn't provide us with a better week zero slate. The best game was Notre Dame Navy. I'm not, you know, for all the celebrating, we made it, we made it. That was a pretty tepid collection of games. Now that's the uh, glass half empty. The glass half full is, have you seen the week one games? They're, they're juicy and they start on uh, Thursday, Utah, given six and a half. We don't know if cam rising is going to be playing as they host Florida, Miami and Miami are playing. Here's something curious. Why are the Canes only laying 16 to the Red Hawks of Miami of Ohio? That's weird. On Saturday, this is a fascinating one. Boise at Michael Penix and the Washington Huskies. Um, If you have not seen a lot of Boise football, if you didn't watch them last year, Taylor Green is a very dark horse Heisman contender right now. You might enter that game talking Michael Penix, 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 the former Indiana Hoosier, the lefty who beat Penn State on that lunge for the uh, for the pylon a couple of years ago during COVID. But Taylor Green is the real deal. Great runner, thrower for Boise State. 14 and a half is what the Huskies are giving the visitors from the land of potatoes. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to take Boise plus the 14 and a half and watch out for Taylor Green. West Virginia at Penn State, the hate bowl. Drew Aller and company giving 20 and a half to the Mountaineers. The ears are overmatched there. Watch Penn State whip them, but good. The Buffs, Deion Sanders, you may have heard as the head coach, is at TCU. The uh, Horn Frogs laying three touchdowns there, UNC and South Carolina. The home team, the Gamecocks, to me, it's a surprise. The home team is a dog, at uh, and they're uh, they're getting two and a half against Drake May and company. Watch the Cox beat them, Spencer Rattler, over Drake May. And then on Sunday, your first monster game of the college football schedule. LSU, Florida State in Orlando, Florida State plus two and a half there. Just wanted to get through all those games because things get away from us sometimes, Hench. Now, before we move on to pro football, settle some hash for us here, Spaghetti, your goat and goat. Yeah, since you're just giving out some college football bets, I'll stick with that with my good goat. And I will say, too, uh, not only was week zero kind of lackluster, but week one, the only ranked matchup, ranked versus ranked, is that Sunday. First of all, it's a Sunday game, too, the LSU-Florida State game, which is the game of the week. It just stinks. I kind of like that, don't you? Well, it fills the pro football slot, so I, that's good. I, yes, I, it's fine, but it, the like you said, the week zero matches were lame, uh, and then I think the sat the first week one Saturday is relatively lame too. Out maybe outside of the the Penn State West Virginia game or the North Carolina South Carolina, not a great week one matchup. But um, but I will say week zero Notre Dame. Obviously, they're going to get my good goat here. There's a lot of things that could have went wrong with this game. You're playing uh, overseas, obviously, uh, a bad weather game for a portion of it. New quarterback, 
uh, a lot of youngsters at a certain positions here. And then you were facing a Navy team that not only stormed back versus you last year, but they run the triple option where most teams don't really practice against that. And Notre Dame handled everything they possibly could have. Sam Hartman, I did not even think there was going to be the Sam Hartman game. Uh, I thought that that was maybe next week because just to see if you could run the ball against this Navy defense, which last year was very good, like averaged um, they stopped they three like yards of carry on defense. So I understand they're going through a coaching change, but seeing Hartman, the four touchdown passes, he just looks so poised. I mean, this guy has thrown like 3,500 passes in uh, in his college career, which is about 3,400 more than Trey Lance ever has. Um, but it's insane to see him just be so relaxed, like a, an actual veteran out there handling that. Um, him with the shillelagh at the end was awesome. And then, you know, Audrey Gassimay, like I said last week, was going to have a great game. He went over. He scored a touchdown. The defense played great. style. Like, Navy, the only way to move the ball is to run. They only averaged like 2.7 yards a carry. Notre Dame shut them down. So it was great to see the linebackers working. Um, it was just a a great overall game. The offensive line did their job. It was an awesome game to watch and reversely seeing how USC, one of the chief rivals of Notre Dame kind of struggled uh, stopping San Jose state definitely was good. So that was a, a fun week zero matchup for me. I really enjoyed that game. Um, Dublin looked awesome. Aviva stadium was great. So they're easily my good go. And I'm looking forward Wait to Wait a second. Week. Sam Hartman, by the way, I'm going to say something that's uh, a bold statement. Sam Hartman may be more handsome than any quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. And that agreed. includes Jimmy Garoppolo. He's more handsome than Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't have that's to say I just, any quarterback in the NFL. Just say that's all. Could just say that. He, than the dreamboat. I'll tell you something. Handsome devil. By the way, how about the no sweat uh, of Notre Dame? I told you the lay the 20 and a half without any concern. And boy, they, you knew that that was in the bag about what, six minutes into the game when they got up a couple of touchdowns there. Right. But yeah. it's like, think about this, right. You know, you're, you're in the Navy to be in the Navy. You're mm -hmm. not, you know, right. You're, it's not a launching pad to the NFL. It's like, and if you're on a ship, the last thing you want to see coming down the narrow hallway with like the ladders and the wheat and the steering wheel, like all that, like is a offensive lineman size guy. Like you actually mm. don't want, you don't want 300 pounders on your boat. I mean, it's like Navy is the last place you should find guys who can block Notre Dame defensive linemen. So it's obvious, you know, it's, it's a, it's a mismatch as it was, but. Uh, Wasn't that a thing with David Robinson? When it was like he wants to go early to the NBA and they want to give him a pass. It was that Staubach and Napoleon Kaufman thing. Remember when like you're good enough, they kind of give you a pass and because it's promotional for the military. So they don't make you do your years of service. And wasn't David Robinson's thing, though, like partially like, well, you couldn't put him in a lot of our ships anyway. I maybe I'm making that up, but I swear that part of the argument was like, ah, just let him go to the NBA. Was it going to be in a sub? You can't put no, him in. I there. remember that too. It was, you know, like a Sports Illustrated story. Uh, he was six seven, I think, and they were like, okay, you you qual you 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 can get on the you can get your head under you can get on the boat, and then when he went up to six eleven, they're like. Hey, you got to get out of you got you you have no there's no job in the navy for 611 guys. Uh there's a That picture. used to be a thing, right? And like Dan was uh what was the guy's name? Chad Henning, right? Who the from the Cowboys? 
uh, Air Force, the Air right? Force, and they're Air like, Force. yeah, you don't, ah, we'll get, we, oh, don't worry about your three years. Just go, just go. We're not going to make you do that. But there's a pitcher that the Red Sox traded to the Phillies or let go in the Rule 5 draft named Noah Song, who had the same deal. And I remember he was having trouble getting that dispensation. And it is weird. Like, is there a certain number of sacks where the Air Force goes, all right, let's let this guy go live his dream. But if you're ERA, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I, by the way, I said Napoleon Kaufman, which is a weird wrinkle. Napoleon, Napoleon Kaufman McCallum. and Napoleon McCallum both Napoleon played for the McCallum. Raiders. Both oh. were Raiders running backs, unrelated. Obviously, they're both shared the name Napoleon. Uh, McCallum had that, had one of the worst catastrophic leg planted. But boy, he was good at Navy. And he's another guy who I think they're like, ah, just go ahead, go play for the Raiders. Don't worry about it. Spaghetti. Uh, so you, you, you yeah, got so it, uh, your bad go, right? Yeah, yeah. And then just to wrap that up, I, I just hate the people who are like, oh, you big deal. You beat the, you know, one of the academies, whatever. Well, like I said, first of all, defending the triple option really screws up a lot of teams. And you're also talking about a Notre Dame team that let them storm back last year, almost win the game and lost to Marshall last year. So good teams beat the bad teams. They beat them up badly. And that's Notre Dame did. So I'm not going to uh, poo-poo a victory. You're not going to see me do that. So uh, easily good go. My bad go. This one's really bumming me out. I'm going to do uh, arm injuries in baseball. So this week we've seen Noah Syndergaard. He got DFA'd uh, by the Guardians, uh, a guy who's only 30 years old, who was part of that Mets big three, the Harvey, Syndergaard, DeGrom big three that, I mean, uh, that's just a shame. How the that other two are up. doing great, though. So they more than make up for Syndergaard. Oh, wait, no, no. It's it's really it's sad to see that happen. Syndergaard, who's I mean, still young, this this, you know, Thor, who's this fireball thrower, can't really seem to figure out after all of his arm injuries. And it looks like his career is going to be wrapping up really, uh, really shortly, unless he maybe makes a move to the bullpen or something, which I think is a, a smart route. He's still young enough to do that. Um, a guy who's not that much older that we all remember his debut was the biggest story is Steven Strasburg, who just retired. He's still getting paid out. By the Nationals, but another guy, same arm injury, same surgeries, uh, you know, comes in the league 2009, 2010. We see him in college. You know, he was with the Aztecs and he moves on to the Nationals and he's on that innings limit. But when he was pitching and he was he was awesome. And I was like looking at his baseball reference and I'm just saying, like, this guy was always good. Like he was just always way above 500. His ERA was always low. Uh, I'm not never a ton of innings, but he just found a way to strike you guys out. And it was just like he it's just so sad to see his career. Like, you know, this guy was an all-star and he was in the Cy Young voting a bunch and it just never amounted to this hall of fame career that we thought because of arm injuries. And that leads me to the, the biggest story of it, which is this um, arm fatigue turned into a, a UCL tear for Shohei Otani. And this is going to be the biggest, I mean, it's fair to say the biggest free agent, the biggest acquisition in the history of baseball, really since Babe Ruth, a guy that he's constantly compared to. And it's like, what do you do now? What do you do with this guy? Like you just turn him into a DH full time. Does he become a closer? Does he like not pitch again? Do you just say, take the surgery and then come back? Cause you do have a few years post. I and mean, a lot of guys have done it. Adam Wainwright comes to mind guys who have come back from that surgery and been fine. Um, and he's had it before though. So that's the other wrinkle in this one too. And it's just this sad thing of like, obviously it's, he's still young enough, but it just won't be sustainable for him to be a starting pitcher in this league while still being an uh, AL. MVP type uh, offensive bat. So there has to be some sort of resolution for the future of Shohei Itani, but man, like a, a terrible week to see like some of the brightest stars in our game this last, you know, uh, 10 to 15 years or so have to kind of go away because of these arm injuries. And uh, this Otani question is going to be the thing that's baseball talks about for the next few months. 
Well, it is going to be interesting if they, if anybody says like we don't want you pitching because I get the sense maybe I'm wrong. I think he would want to continue pitching, right, Hench? Well, probably, but I kind of it's I mean it's grim because I agree with Spaghetti. It's so sad to see these guys having to figure out how to spend two hundred million dollars once they're retired. <laughs> God, I don't know what what's it like, five. Hench. You have yeah, like yeah. 150 uh, only. So yeah, Lewis Lappy had the greatest moment of his life. Zero millions of dollars. Strasburg wins World Series MVP. Here's 200 million dollars. Doesn't pitch. You can keep it. Um, I'd figure out a way to be happy. But so Otani, what I it's a weird silver lining, I think, which is I don't think. Anaheim was going to be able to win the sweepstakes to re-sign him as the Shohei Otani that we've come to know and love. But I think if they say we're, we will overpay for what we know will be this more one dimensional Shohei Otani while you work your way back through the second surgery, that there's a better chance that he stays in Anaheim now than there was if he hit the market fully whole, fully healthy. So I want him to stay there. I hate this thing of every kid's favorite player goes to a different team. I, I hate that. I think it's terrible for baseball. So I'm hoping that, that Artie Moreno can figure out a way to keep him in Anaheim and maybe taking care of him as, as he rehabs and as he comes back. And then, yeah, maybe he is a, a, a closer or a super reliever, um, you know, it, it, it back even back to the beginning of August, maybe late July, he was leaving games with leg cramps. And you're like, yikes, any any weakness in your lower half is going to put more stress on your arm. Right. I mean, that's that's all all sports. Right. So um, he, he you know, he's beloved. It, this was a stomach punch that that he's you know the part of the stomach punch for fans is he was he was proving everybody wrong that this can be done and now his body is saying maybe it can't it's just sad yeah it's um it, it does uh, have that uh, the the anticlimactic like wait so as we add this all up like that this run may be over the pitching and uh, slugging. Uh, it's like the Bo Jackson, like, oh, so wait, his hip is, so it's just never going to work out again. It has a little of that vibe. Like maybe we've lost something and, and in I the moment say, didn't fully acknowledge it. Yeah. I, I, I will say, you know, um, part of the reason the pitchers are typically ahead of the hitters in spring training, but then certainly in the world baseball classic, like as Shohei was throwing a hundred against Mike Trout, in that climactic moment of the world baseball classic in March, I'm like, yikes. If I was an angels fan, I would not want this guy hitting triple digits in March. We talked no, about that, right? You know, knowing when the games matter. And so it's not just, can you put your body through this for 162 games? He started putting his body through it. I mean, how hard do you have to be throwing in February to be throwing 102 March 27th and then the real season starts. So uh, again, not sure guys uh, pitching like it matters in March is, is a great idea for their, for their future health. 
Um, all right. And now a quick break. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Now for some pro football talk. And my no playoff for you list is growing by the day, perhaps even by the minute as I consider a couple. But let me just bring you up to speed here. This is the parlay of all parlays. If a book would take this action. Colts, Cardinals, these are teams that are not going to make the playoffs. This is a hard game to play. Colts, Cardinals, Broncos, Texans, Bears, Raiders, and Rams. That's seven teams. Any of those, anybody going to make a case is going to get into the playoffs? That's seven teams. If you can parlay all seven of those, the payout gargantuan, and that's before I throw both New York teams into it. I'm sorry, Spaghetti. If I could put the Jets and Giants in there, I'm a little less certain about them. But just those seven should be a huge payout. So I'm looking for the book that will take that action. And in the meantime, Hench, on to the AFC North. Here we go. The Cincinnati Bengals are plus 160. By the way, people keep talking about, I I, I know this is a ongoing thing for me, that every, all the national voices, are they couch their Steelers dark horse talk by saying no one else thinks this except me. Um, when everybody and their mother is saying exactly that boy, the Steelers roster looks good. Doesn't it? Um, AFC North, the Bengals are plus plus one sixty. The Steelers are plus four seventy five. Notice the difference between the shortest odds and the longest odds um, in the division. It's about, you know, it's about 300 points versus look at any other division. I'll, you know, as a, for instance, the bills versus the Patriots. Now that is a disrespect to the Patriots, the, uh, the gargantuan difference between those two teams. Anyway, Bengals plus 160 Ravens plus 220 Browns plus 330 Steelers plus 475 the win totals we've gone over, but the Steelers are at nine. I think that's an easy over there. Browns and Ravens, nine and a half. 
I'm skeptical of both of those and the Bengals at 11 and a half. I think they go over to Cincinnati. Um, Hench, jump in here. What uh, what appeals to you well, among these, the AFC yeah, North? I, you know, has Vegas ever had has if you add up the these expected win totals from Vegas for all four teams in a division, has the number ever been this high? Like your last place team is going to be above 500. It's crazy. Uh, I think that's why we've been saving this division because it's just so juicy top to bottom. Um, I, you know, I feel like you know, Barnwell's really, really good about this stuff. And and one of the things Barnwell leans on really heavily, like he's like, okay, you know, who are you really? And like, he's down on, on Spaghetti's Giants because statistically they, you know, they were bad on first and second down, but great on third down. Like, wh- why? You know, they they were bad up and down the field, but then great in the red zone. And so he's kind of finding statistical anomalies and going, you're going to have a regression to the mean and you're maybe not that good. Going back to last year, the Ravens had, I mean, at this, this time, right? One year ago, when we were having this conversation, Spaghetti was updating us in real time on multiple Ravens out for the season, right? It was like a ticker across the bottom of the screen. Like, nope, he's also out for the season. Oh, another guy, non-contact injury. He's out for the season. I mean, the Ravens had so much bad luck going into the season. Then they lose Lamar Jackson um, later in the season. And yet, they beat the Bengals in the playoffs if they don't have a 98-yard fumble return for a touchdown. I mean, that game should have been a blowout. And and uh and Tyler Huntley um almost, you know, save save for that that tragic fumble, uh pulls off the upset. So I think there are two tiers in that in that division. And and I put the Ravens and Bengals on the top tier and and your beloved Steelers and the Browns on the second tier, but I would flip the top two, I think the Ravens do win this division. Hmm. They, you know, I'm on record as saying Jared Goff's going to have a better year than Lamar Jackson. But that said, when you look at everything that Lamar Jackson has to work with now, including Zay Flowers, like they're, they're going to be a lot better than they were last year. And they went 10 and seven last year. So, so I, I like the Ravens to beat their number to win the division the Bengals to not hit that super high number come in second. Steelers uh, agreed on, on on the roster. I think they do beat their number two and come in third. And then, even though I I, I you know I love the the Zedarius Smith signing and and uh, pairing him with Garrett for the Browns, I just wonder if you know we saw quite a bit of Deshaun Watson. It wasn't it wasn't really like a cup of coffee. It was quite a bit. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if that's more the guy he is now. Then his numbers with the Texans are mind boggling. And then and then and then that just that awful, awful sequence of one oppers that he was throwing for the Browns. So I think the Browns do nestle into their their quite familiar spot in fourth. Um, but uh, I, I like the Ravens to uh, to to stay healthier, health, easy to stay healthier than they did last year. And uh, and the other thing about the Ravens is by October 8th, they've played all three of their road games in that division. That's the way I would want it. I would want coming, coming down the stretch to have all those games at home. So, so that's my pick. How say you? 
Yeah, I mean, I I think that you the way you if you jumped in like two and a half minutes ago, um, you missed the asterisk, which is that uh, what Hench said at the very top there, which is top to bottom, this division is loaded, and it's it's plausible that you could really have a nine and eight fourth place team. I think it's going to be more in the range of like seven and 10 or eight, and nine. And I think that's going to be the Browns or the Ravens. I think it's going to be the Ravens. I hear the reasons why people are singing songs about, uh, about Baltimore this year, but I will continue to point to the adjustment now mid career ish for Lamar Jackson. He's got to learn an all new offense. I understand why there is a potential upside for him. You're hearing a lot about that. He's taken uh, greater responsibility and he has a more a hand in the play calls and everything else. We still have yet to see that if Lamar Jackson is trying to trying to tether himself a little bit more to the pocket and be a more traditional pa- passer, we have yet to see him have sustained success doing that. A lot is being made about Zay Flowers and now Jadavian Clowney. That's specious to me that these are things that make you confident in a football team in 2023. I don't know about J.K. Dobbins, if he's ever going to be as good as he was before his knee injury. Ronnie Stanley, now three years messing with this knee injury. He is a linchpin for that team offensively. I think it just all adds up to the Ravens being a good team. I don't think that they're a bad team, but their defense is not as physical. It is not the difference maker that it has been for the mo- for the majority of the last 15 years. Ergo, Little regression there. I think the Browns could be good, but I hear your skepticism of Deshaun Watson. And I think we have to maintain that when we're looking for potential cracks of these four teams, as you're trying to figure out like why this team might not be that good. Clearly Deshaun Watson, if he looks like he did in the last six games last year, well then the Cleveland Browns can only go so far. They are loaded up though. They are. I mean, if they did, you can see why, if you could remove all the ugliness with Deshaun Watson, why the Browns would think like, oh, my God, if we got that guy playing at the level he was playing at in 2020-ish, there's nothing wrong with this football team. And they're, and they're absolutely right about that. That remains a major question um, in Cleveland. And, you know, I think Joe Burrow, I can I can poke some holes in the Bengals, except for the answer being, well, they have Joe Burrow. And that's he's one of the four superheroes I point to that it doesn't matter what the rest of the roster looks like. He to he is going to be able to cover up some of those warts for you. And then that leaves the Steelers. And I do think that they are loaded up. And I do think I'm without saying my final answer. I think that they are going to come in somewhere between 11 and 12 wins this year. Look at their schedule. If they win their first two, if they beat the Niners and then go to Cleveland, if they're two and oh, look out. Now they get to that. They they announced themselves early on as a legit contender to go deep in the playoffs. Um, I'm going to take Cincy to win the division, boring as it may be. I'm going to uh, still point to Burroughs' team, but I think Pittsburgh fills in, in second place, then the Browns three, the Ravens at four, and because the AFC is just so loaded, you're only going to have two playoff teams from the AFC North, those being the Bengals with a real shot at getting the number one seed and the Pittsburgh Steelers in the wild card mix. How say you spaghetti? 
Wow. So, I mean, I think Bengals coming in first is probably the easiest thing to start with this discussion. Um, I just don't see, unless there's a devastating injury again to Burrow or something, I don't see that changing. Um, and I think uh, this is not a slight against the Steelers. It's kind of what I said the other week uh, when we had Mark Avoli on the show talking about it. It's, just, it's the same thing as the New York teams, like the Jets and the Giants playing in a division with other very strong teams. When you're looking at the Steelers, they have by far – the worst quarterback in that division. I think that that does mean something does account for something. And I, I think, you know, with Deshaun Watson playing the way he did last year, the half a season. And again, this is like, I was at the premise of just talking strictly on the field. Um, he's only going to get better. And he is in a, a, an offense with Kevin Stefanski that we know from the Baker Mayfield days of how complicated it is. But I think that the, just the pure talent that, that Watson has, he's only 27 years old. I think he'll figure it out. I think getting bringing in Elijah Moore from the Jets, who just was underutilized because obviously bringing in Garrett Wilson, um, that he's, you know, he's still 23 years old. He's going to be a nice weapon to have there. And, you know, we talk a lot about the Saquon Barkley contract and, you know, Josh Jacobs finally resigning and the offseason, you know, uh, Christian McCaffrey was the greatest move made in the deadline last year. We don't really talk about Nick Chubb, who may be actually the best running back in football, and they have that. So the hardest question for me is figuring out whether the Browns get those extra couple games they did not win last year and surpass the Ravens for the second uh, spot in that division. So I'm, I'm, it's basically a coin flip between the Ravens and the Browns for second and third place. Um, obviously, you know, bring in Todd Monken from Georgia, who's now working hand in hand with Lamar Jackson. Uh, is that offense going to be clicking now? OBJ is there. I, I still think the the Ravens will do some boneheaded things. And I think that, you know, we saw that last year with Lamar, a lot of sloppy interceptions. I'll probably go Brown second place. Ravens third. And I still do think the Steelers have a shot to win eight, nine games, but I just think when you're in a division, that's that tough. And I just need to see more out of Kenny Pickett before I really believe in this team. And again, it's not a slight, I'm not saying this because you think the giants will make the playoffs. I'm saying they're just unfortunately in a division that is so tough. Whereas if they were in one of the Souths or even the, you know, the the NFC West, I could see them succeeding more uh, than I I do right now because of just how good these other teams are. And I, I just, I do think there is a huge gap in the quarterback play between the Steelers and the other three teams. I hear that because it requires a certain amount of speculation where Ken Pickett's concerned, but you know, for what it matters, we, we hear about it. The silos as they suit people's arguments that you, that you drop information into it. We, we hear a lot about chemistry matters and what's going on in the locker room and everything else. Just think about who those primary figures are for the Cleveland Browns. Deshaun Watson, you know all about him. Is he a good guy? No. Kevin Stefanski's best moment as a head coach came when he was sitting in his Cleveland basement watching the Browns beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. That's at at, watching, at minimum watching, a red watching flag. Mike Tomlin choose to punt. Weird. Yeah. When when uh, they were they, when they needed. But that's the highlight of his career is a little bit weird and uh, and not exactly inspirational. And then you have Miles Garrett, who's uh, who's a liar. So these are the these are the these are the faces of your franchise. C- consider me uninspired there. I did mean to mention something, Hench, about Barnwell, who's as sharp as it gets. His specific reasons for sort of saying that the Steelers are going to underwhelm one that can pick it. Um, and in general that the Steelers aren't going to turn the ball over. Obviously that is to a degree, a product of the kind of offense they were running in the second half of last year. So if they do tick up, if they make more aggressive throws, you can assume maybe 
uh, Ken Pickett might throw uh, a few extra picks, but that should be offset by an uh, by an increased point total by being more aggressive um, offensively and, and slinging it downfield. I think that the Steelers do prioritize when they draft a guy or otherwise at running back. Najee Harris is one of his primary traits is ball security. So it's not like he is, I don't think, going to suddenly turn into a, a big-time fumbler. That's baked into the equation when they plug a guy in there, when Mike Tomlin does that. And the thing that Barnwell was pointing to largely is like, they got a lot of luck with injuries. Obviously, T.J. Watt, one of the five best non-QBs in the NFL going down for half the season, um, says that that's wrong. I understand what he's saying. The offensive line's not going to be, uh, isn't going to, get to play 17 games together like it did last year. You're going to get dinged up, but the roster is vastly improved from where it was just six months ago, so they're better wired to overcome an injury. You just don't want it to be. Obviously, with your Jenga piece, no one could have overcome or very few could overcome losing your best non-quarterback and expecting the same rate of success. I hear exactly what you're saying. These, these are four really good teams, and I think short of the Bengals, Bengals are going to finish in last place and they're probably not going to even finish in third place. Outside of that, you could talk me into any team slotting anywhere in this division. Hench, I'll say you. Um, how did, okay. I'm just trying to remember the circumstances of that Minka Fitzpatrick acquisition because he's so good and that defense is going to be good. What what was that trade? They, you know, got out of the gate with uh, the Roethlisberger injury in in uh, early in the season, and they were scuffling along. And then there were signs of life with uh, with Duck Hodges, and they they flipped the first round pick for Minka, who was unhappy in Miami because he thought that uh, they were misusing him. They were playing him at safety, or they're playing him at corner when he wanted to be a safety, so on and so forth. He's since said, like, ah, I don't care. Play me where you want to play me. But in that moment, he was unhappy with how he was being deployed. So he was well, ready to when go. I think about the Steelers that, did something on Steelers. That stud and then a healthy TJ Watt. And when I look at this division, if you're like, if you had to say, on average, are the games in this division going to go over or are they going to go under? What would you say? The Steelers have devoted themselves philosophically to trying to make every game go under. Right. Maybe that'll change if Kenny Pickett really indicates he's going to be a consistent force on Sundays. But short of that, yeah, they're going to try to beat everybody 13-12. And I, I would say the Browns are, are in a kind of a bit of a similar boat, uh, you know, given given sure. their limitations on one side of the ball. But so you don't really think about it, you know, I, I, you know, going into a season. But again, they don't put put wins above replacement on players. But if you're talking about 13, 12 games, it's like Justin Tucker makes such a difference where it's like, oh, we can get three points from here in games that are 16, 13. And so, um, you know, I just think that the, the they're going to be a lot of close, physical, low scoring games. And then you can bring the howitzer uh, in from from 65 and in. And, uh, and, and that's, that's a big, that's a 1.5 wins per season player. Is John Harbaugh going to the hall of fame in your opinion? If he is, it's owed to Justin Tucker. Nobody has benefited more from a kicker in the history of people than John Harbaugh and those Ravens. It's really wild. The, 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 our perception of the Baltimore Ravens over the last decade, if you put a league average kicker in there, the, the, the factor that they've been in January's 
is owed to an outsized percentage to the little guy who kicks it far. It's really wild stuff. I know it's a lament of yours and mine. And, you know, and the, the thing with Cincy is can how how much can you denigrate them without just being a vapid cynic? Joe Burrow is as good as it gets. The pass catchers, I will say they still have. They have not solved the offensive line on a piece of paper, at least. Joe Mixon is a wild card, it feels like, at this point. And they are probably not great on the back end. So I can kind of beat up the the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think we get into this inertia of like, well, you know, they have the stud QB and we've seen it enough that it's like, yeah, it's a safe bet to put Cincy at the top of the AFC North pile there. I it wouldn't stun me though if somebody else goes in and beats them for that division, and I think the team best suited to do that is Pittsburgh, unless so Deshaun Watson gets to twenty twenty two form, twenty twenty form. Which if he does, that Browns roster is good enough to win the division. So let just to see if I got this right, you have two teams going over and two teams going under. You have right. the Steelers and Browns going over. No, I have the Bengals and the Steelers going over. Bengals over 11 and a half. I just have the Steelers going over nine. The Steelers are going to get to, spoiler alert, the Steelers are getting to 11 wins, everybody. It's just a matter of they exceed that that amount. And there's some nice uh, alt-win totals to be played on Caesars, and I encourage you to do it. Um, Where the Steelers are concerned, I think the Ravens and Browns both probably come in around nine or eight wins is my prediction. That's not bad. That's not diminishing either team uh, fan bases out there. Just saying they happen to be in, in a I mean, really part tough of the division. reason the numbers are also high, right? Is that they have the NFC West. So you've got the, the, the one tough game against the Niners and then, you know, Seahawks could be decent, but, but you got two wins going, the Rams and Cardinals are going to be pretty bad. Um, but I, I don't know. 12 wins is tough haul in that division. So I go, Steelers over, Ravens over, Bengals and Browns under. Hmm, interesting. So the the Bungles regress slightly at least to uh, uh, 11 and 6. Yeah, 12 wins in that conference in that division, I don't know. Yeah, I mean you you go through and I you know that's one of the things that you should do is what Hench was doing there which is looking not just at the matchups but also where they fall on the on the calendar there. I will say whereas the Ravens have uh, got the favor of probably not having a a horrible back end of their slate. Look at what the Steelers have coming down the wire. So they, 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 it benefits them. If they fancy themselves a contender, they better make some hay earlier in the season because they finish with, I think they have to go to Baltimore. They have to go to Seattle and they have Cincy coming to Pittsburgh, I think are their last three. So obviously miserable uh, way to round out the season there. Um, Spaghetti. Who's going to the playoffs from the AFC North in your book? Uh, definitely the Bengals. Uh, again, without an injury to Burrow, I, I think that's ten to one to win the Super Bowl. By the way, is Cincinnati? Yeah, and um, I, I think I, I really do think there's a path for the Browns uh, to make it there. I, I do believe in, like I said before, Deshaun playing better um, this year, and then having a, a stud and Nick Chubb just try to make things. Easy. I wish you know. Uh, the Steelers obviously are the, the the focal point of of this pod and and your favorite team, but I I wish that Najee Harris didn't regress from what he did last year. Um, so it's one of those things too. If if Kenny Pickett wait, what do you mean? Few, 
you wish he didn't regress. I would feel I would I would feel more confident in your Steelers over or the or the playoffs. So him his yards per carry going down. He's obviously not that much of a factor in the passing game. We with a young Kenny Pickett, you want the running back to take a load off of you. But if he's not gonna be able to do that, that's another thing that worries me with them because if he's not you know worthy of the first round pick that he was selected with. And and if Pickett doesn't Where's progress, this noise coming from? What are you talking about? Yeah, no, he's not a home. I run think I, I mean being completely honest, I, I think that you're kind of you're you're kind of overrating how good the Steelers are a little bit with a very unknown quarterback and a running back who who regressed. I don't see. I mean, 11, 12 wins when the Bengals total is 11 and a half is pretty wild to me. I mean, I, I just don't see a path for the Steelers to make the playoffs. Uh, and the Ravens are the one wild card. The Ravens, if you told me they won six games, I'd believe it. If you told me they won 14 games and go to the Super Bowl, I'd believe it. Uh, I'm still going to slot them third. I'll say they missed the playoffs. Um, but I, I, I still I think it's the Bengals and the Browns that go from the division. Wow. So, Spaghetti, you got the Brownies as a wild card. And. Hench is going Ravens to win the division. Boy, oh boy, some range between the three of us sliding these teams one, two, three, four. And we're gonna learn so much so fast. I mean, I you know, certainly true with uh with the Niners rolling into Pittsburgh. That that will probably, you know, could could serve as a gut punch if they come in there and um, you know, pick it throws three INTs in week one. The enthusiasm from the locals and in fact from from the national crowd now would uh would fall off a cliff fast if that if that happened there all good times all good times the afc is such a such a misery um we're continuing to hash our way through it here though um divisions left to do here before kickoff spaghetti we have we haven't done the AFC East. We haven't done the NFC East. We haven't done the NFC West or the AFC West. I think now we've completed both Norths and both Souths. Well, then we need to do like a lightning round, right? We got to we got to pick off two divisions. Well, we had, no. What we haven't done is we haven't gotten Hench's picks for all those divisions, at least. So we do. Right. Yeah, we have to do a lightning round for Kevin Hench. We will do that next week for you with him you'll get his picks and you do want to hear those because he's been on the money largely over the last uh 12 months or so um can't wait to hear where he puts his new england patriots in the afc east that's the other division that is uh is really difficult for me to to go one two three four through and make any sense of their bills third place maybe i that that's what uh, i'm saying there we'll get to that one down the line for you in the meantime we'll be back on thursday with another episode for you as football college and pro get ever closer well like we said college football is already here but it wasn't a great site great college football games and pro football all on the way for you back to the picket line for kevin hench we'll be back a little later in the week eddie spaghetti and i and until then thanks so much sports fans it's been a thin slice of heaven